0: It's good to be here again with you tonight. I'm looking forward to challenging you, sharing with you, upsetting you, making you cry at some of the things that I say. I've got something very painful to talk to you about tonight. And I mean that seriously. How many of you have had a filling? A tooth filling. Put your hand, come on. Be proud of that. There is... Tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars that have been invested in teeth here tonight. You, you, you know, fillings are a great fun, aren't they? How many people like getting fillings? Well, someone who hasn't got a filling. <laughs> There's nothing worse than going to the dentist, and the way it works is this: You go into the dentist, usually for a checkup, you've already calculated how much that's going to cost you. They lie you down in a chair and then they turn the light on so bright that you can't see. The dentist expects you to open your mouth wider than it's ever been opened before. And then he gets, you you know, when I was little, I was told not to play with knives. This is worse than a knife. He gets what looks like a great big pointy thing and then he sticks it in your mouth and starts playing around with your teeth, checking this, checking that. And all the while, sweat's building up on your forehead because it's starting to get a little bit painful. And, and you're hoping that the checkup will be just that checkup, go out. And then he, he, he rubs it hard and he pushes this pointy thing in. And then finally, he gets what he wants an appointment for a filling. I, I just want you to understand don't think the dentist is on any dentist here tonight. The dentist is never on your side. Do you know how they make money? By ensuring there are holes in your teeth. And and so when they do a checkup, they're not there trying to make it easy for you. They're trying to find a hole. Or if there isn't one, they'll rub that little pointy thing as hard as they can until they create a hole, knowing that that hole is going to earn them, I don't know what it would be here, $200. It's a little bit of rubbing and it'll cost you $200. And so... After you get the bad news, dentists, you know, they they act like they're really nice. They're sadists. I don't understand why people become dentists. Well, I do. There's some mental health issues usually to get them there, but I I mean, there there could be no pleasure in forcing someone to keep their mouth open for so long and then prodding and poking with things that hurt. But it starts with this little bit of, they dab something on a, like a cotton bud, they put it in your mouth, and you're thinking, Oh great, that's anesthetic, but it stinks. Why can't they? Why can't they make anesthetic that smells nice? I don't understand that. And then he comes up and you're in the chair, and he comes from behind his back and he pulls out the needle, and it's 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 usually about 12 inches long. And then he proceeds to push the needle into your soft, gentle quiet little gums and he does it once, then again, twice and all this time he's causing you tremendous pain. Who understands what I'm talking about here? This is not pleasurable, is it? I told you it'd cause you some pain. But that's just the beginning. Having done that, he brings out a jackhammer and where he thought there was a hole, he makes sure there's a hole. I don't know about you, but what happens is, you know, I've got a tongue and where he says there's a hole, yeah, yeah, Like there's hardly anything there. Once he's finished with that jackhammer that he calls a drill, there's a gaping hole. I can feel it with my tongue, you know. It's, it's, it, and, and the nurse, who supposedly is supposed to be nice, she's smiling and she's got that vacuum thing. And, and, and that's supposed to be picking up the, the broken pieces of tooth that they're drilling out as well as saliva. But most of the time they're jabbing the end of the pointy little vacuum into your gums, causing your ball pain than than you would be anyway. And then on top of that, most of the time, they don't get all of the saliva and you're left half gagging. This is a good dentist. They go through that process and after doing all this drilling, if you've never been to the dentist, I understand you're not wanting to go again, but go, it's important that you go (laughs) After doing all of that, then they mix up this little, they have a little mini mix thing and they make up what's called amalgam. It's a combination material made up of several different items and they mix it up and then they jam it into that, what was a little hole, into what is now a huge hole and they push and they prod and then they, 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 they shape this uh, amalgam into, into something like your tooth and then they scrape and they... And they try and, try and make it resemble what was there before. I'll keep going. And then eventually what happens is you go through the whole process, you get a piece of whatever that paper is, you bite it, and they try and restore your tooth to how it originally was. Now, there's only one thing worse than going to the dentist and getting a filling. And it's not going to the dentist and getting a filling. Because when you're in pain... It's preferable to get the pain removed and the only way to get it removed is to get the, the hole fixed. So you're in between a rock and a hard place. You either suffer the pain of the decay that has occurred in your tooth or you suffer the pain and the cost of the dentist who's making money out of our suffering. It's a terrible industry, isn't it? <clears throat> and you go through the pain of everything they do to get the outcome that you're after. And I want you to think about this tonight because even though there's no great pleasure in anything that I've said, this is actually what life is all about. The goal of the amalgam or the filling is, is to replicate what used to be there. It's to fill in the hole. Now, for the, for the filling to work, they have to scrape around on the inside. They've got to remove all of the decay so that that filling can take place and hopefully last 10, 15 or 20 years before it falls out. But the goal is to give you back a tooth that does what it's supposed to do and that is chew food. Now, teeth are interesting things and you might say, what on earth has this got to do with the Gospel? And let me get to it eventually. Teeth are interesting things. It's not just the bad things that you eat that cause decay. It's also, it's also the things that you don't do, like flossing and cleaning your teeth. If you don't floss or clean your teeth, you end up in trouble. But it's not just that either. Sometimes it's your diet and sometimes it's um, antibiotics. You know, children have lots of antibiotics when they're little, end up doing damage to their teeth later on. And so teeth have this strange way of showing up a lot of what has happened to us and we need to keep getting them fixed. So the key word I wanna talk to you tonight about is amalgam. And I want you to turn with me if you've got your Bible and I wanna read to you from Philippians chapter three. Now, we talk about tooth decay, there's another word that I think is synonymous with decay and it's the word sin. Now, whether we like it or not, decay affects our teeth, but sin also affects our life. And the pain of sin is better to be dealt with in a way that brings us relief than for it to continue. And the message of the Gospel is all about sin, if you like, being resolved in our lives. And I'm not suggesting in any way that it is an easy process because unfortunately for us, we are like teeth. We're not like a tooth. It isn't a once-off circumstance where everything is solved. Now it is in regard to our relationship with God, but it isn't when it comes to -to day-to-day practical living. Unfortunately, decay affects so so many parts of our life, sin affects so many parts of our life and God by His Holy Spirit deals with the parts of our life as He chooses at the time that He chooses and sometimes it causes us pain and frustration and upset but the outcome of the work that He is doing and the way that He fills us again once He's done the work makes a significant difference in our life. Philippians chapter 3, Paul here's talking and I'm spitting, sorry about that. It's, most of you are safe. And uh, Jay is so tired that whether I spat on him or not, he probably wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Philippians 3, 8 and 9 says this, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count my own righteousness, I no longer count on my on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Jesus in Christ, for God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. There's a lot of what Paul is saying here that that, that we'll address quickly, but the first point I want to make tonight, and I've got three discernible points. It's the first is this go for the best. Now, when you're doing something or you're purchasing something, sometimes people buy based on value for money. Sometimes they buy it based on quality. Now, can I suggest to you when you go to the dentist, there are cheap places to go to a dentist, but I'd suggest you pay the extra and go for quality. it's better in the long run. Many years ago, I needed to have a root canal filling and I went to a local dentist, but I didn't know it at the time, but they had a lot of student dentists there. I went and they said, you need a root canal filling. And I didn't even know what that was really, uh, but I didn't know how much it was gonna cost and that blew me away. And so, okay, no problem. So they started. I went three days in a row to the dentist and they seemed to be having all sorts of trouble and, and I was getting in more and more pain as time went on. Eventually I complained and they gave me another dentist and they, they sorted it out and the pain disappeared. Some 10 years later, I went to another dentist. I went to other dentists in, in the meantime, but I, I said, you know I'm I've got some pain. There's something going on with this filling and, and the dentist did x-rays and he said, you've, you've had a root canal filling there, haven't you? I said, yeah, yeah, I did, yeah, some years ago. And he said, who did it? And I said, oh, down there, I don't know who the person's name was. And he said, right. He said, can I show you the x-ray? I said, yeah, yeah, show me the x-ray. And in the x-ray was a a piece of the drill that had broken off in my tooth. It was in the in the root of my tooth. And he said, what happened? The reason you suffered like you did was they obviously broke the, broke the drill off in your tooth as they were drilling it. And that's the problem they were having. That's why you had to keep going back. That's why you were in so much pain. And I thought, I'm never going to pay less again. I'm always going to pay more to get the right outcome. And and you know, for us too often, what happens with life is we don't go for the best. And, And you know, I know we're not supposed to compare, but Paul actually tells us to compare. And what we need to do is we need to go for the best for our life because the best lasts longer. And we talk about it, if your life is a tooth or if your life is a whole bunch of teeth, the amalgam you want to fill your life to to, to, uh, once the decay is removed is Jesus Christ. He's the one that needs to come and repair your teeth or your life so that you reflect Him, so that you become like Him, so that you get the very best that there is on offer. Paul says, for yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. We need to go for the best. There is infinite value in knowing Christ. In other words, it is inestimable. You, you, You don't know, you can't calculate what it means to know Christ. You think you know but you don't actually know. When you get to know Christ, even then you're unable to estimate the power and the work of Christ in your life. And Paul is trying to say that to the Philippians here. He's saying it is profound and you need to understand how important this can be in your life. In Colossians 1.15, it says this about Christ. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. You know, Christ is more than we can think or know. We we cannot comprehend Him. He is God in the flesh. And though we may understand some of His attributes, He is way beyond the things that we can think or know. And I want to challenge you tonight to think about these things. He is more than knowledge or riches. the, The things that you learn or the things that you accrue, He is worth more than both those things put together. He's more than peace or contentment. And some people say, I come to Christ and I've found peace as if that's the most important thing. But He's more than peace. He's more than fulfilment. He's more than contentment. And while we understand and, and, and appreciate peace, we appreciate knowledge, we appreciate um, a, a sense of contentment, He is more than all of those things. Becoming one with Him is the goal. There is infinite value or immeasurable value In knowing Christ. The best filling is the one that restores your tooth to a place where it does what it's supposed to do without there being any hiccup in the process. The second thing is this: we need to discard the rest. And you you might say, Well, that's really, really hard. Paul says in again in the same passage, he says, For his sake, I've discarded everything else. Counting it as garbage, and you know when we talk about discarding things, it's easy to discard that which we consider to have no value. I don't know about you, but I have no problem when there is a. I've eaten a meal and there are scraps on the table. I. I know some people keep the scraps, but I discard them. I figure, you know, the leftover piece of potato doesn't matter that much. Put it in the bin. Or do what I put it in the compost if that's important to you or whatever. <clears throat> but, but it's easy to discard something that has no value for you. And as you get older and as you, uh, as you accrue more things, the things that have value become more, um, uh, easier to discern. And Paul is here saying, I've, I count everything as garbage. What's he saying? He said, I've realised there's a new perspective to be had. Now, some of you will say, well, I can't discard everything. And the problem there is perspective. It's because you're comparing what you have with, what you, with, with, you know, with something that you haven't yet attained. What Paul is doing is saying, compared to uh, the things that I have compared to knowing Christ, the things that have been nothing to me. Through the years, uh, I'm, as, as all of you know, probably I'm married. I've got four daughters and one wife. And my one wife likes coats or jackets. And through the years, I I remember at one stage, she had 37 jackets or coats or whatever they are. Stupid, if you ask me. I'm I'm the one who's stupid because I paid for them. (laughs) And I said to her one day, because it really annoys me, and you know, I'm male, so that's probably one issue. But 37 jackets. 37 jackets. You, can, you can't wear 37 jackets. No, it's not, it, it can't, it's not, well, for a male, it's not possible. Two is enough. So what I said to her is, I said, Ruth, get rid of all the ones you don't wear. No, I can't. I said, no, Ruth, you gotta get rid of the ones you don't wear. Look at that, the silly wardrobe is packed. You can't move anything. You can't even see what you've got in here. Why don't you get rid of, no, but I love that one. But I said, when was the last time you wore it? I can't remember where I wore it last. I said, have you worn it in the last 12 months? I don't know, but I love that jacket. And so the only way that I can convince her to discard some of these things is to offer an alternative to her. It's called bribery. I say, Ruth, for every five jackets you discard, I'll buy you one new one. Now... For her, that sounds exciting. For me, that sounds even more exciting because there's things getting cleared out. But the point is this, the the, the thing that is garbage uh, becomes garbage because of the thing that you're trading it with. So if I say, chay your shoes, you, you probably love those shoes. Man, you got them pretty dirty this weekend. And, uh, you would have paid... In New Zealand, maybe three hundred dollars for those. You can get them for twenty in Australia. But and, and what happens is you get attached to something, and it means a lot to you until there is something else that has more value. So Jay, you can have those, or I'll go. This is a this is all in theory, okay? <laughs> or I will go to the shops with you, and I'll give you three hundred dollars to buy. Cause have you seen the preachers with sneakers thing? You know. Um, this is it, all in theory, Let, I'll say it again, it's, I'm not doing this. But the shoes are valuable until there's another option. These ones become garbage when there's something better on offer. The problem is this, most of the time we hold on to things, whether it's an issue with somebody, whether it's chasing after something in the world because we haven't realised the value there is in Christ. You, you, you see, Paul is saying, I considered it all garbage. What, what Did it mean everything was garbage? No, it didn't mean everything was garbage, but compared to knowing Christ, there was nothing better to Paul than knowing Christ. And it becomes easy to discard something of lesser value when it means you can attain something of greater value. None of you today would hold on to the $20 bill in your pocket if I offered you $50 for it. Why? You discard the 20 to get the 50. And what Paul is saying here is discard some of the garbage of your life so that you might gain Christ. Consider it garbage. In other words, discard the rest and hold on to the best. And now this works its way out in our day-to-day lives when it comes to choices that we make. And the Holy Spirit works in us. Discarding the rest, you know, We need to discard the lesser. We need to discard the useless. We need, if I can say this, we need to discard the applause, the encouragements, the achievements. The enemy wants to entice you with things or with recognition. And what we need to do is consider those things less when compared with Him who is the best. God wants to do something in you today. You know, the decay that we have in our life, some of those things that we hold in our life, we're holding on to them when Christ could come and fill us again, compensate, removing the decay and compensating for the hole that it's left in our lives. My third point is this, it's really, really quite simple. Become one with Him. You need a filling, or rather an infilling. But unless that infilling adheres It becomes loose. The reality is many of us have already had an experience with Christ and and, and it's impacted us significantly at some point or another. The problem is this, too often the experience we have comes loose again because the decay in our life, which ought to be removed as a result of the exchange that we've made, remains and the filling comes loose. It's not that the filling's inadequate, it's just that we've held on to the decay. In other words, the things that are valuable to us unfortunately become more important to us than Christ Himself. The goal is that we become one with Christ. You see, as we gain Christ, we're set free from the things that hold on to us. John 8.32 says this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now the truth we know is not only Jesus Christ, but all that He does in our life as He comes by the Holy Spirit, and brings truth to us, and so for us, there's a process of learning. There's a process of understanding. You know, there are some areas of my life where I think the the process of removing decay and and Christ filling my tooth has been complete. But I know that I've got more than one tooth, and that means God is still working in other areas of my life where He's trying to remove the decay with me, so that He can fill that area of my life as well. And I believe it's a process that will continue until the day I die. So that ultimately, the end result will be that I will be one with Him. We will become amalgamated together. And ultimately, He's the one that will be exalted. Romans 8, 9 to 11 says this, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as Christ raised, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Here's the secret, and it's not very, very complex. Colossians 1.27 Says this, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. Tonight there are people here. Are thus suffering pain as a result of the decay of sin in life. And it's true for many of us. And if the musos had come, that'd be great. And there are others of us here who have gone through the process of Christ filling us in some area of our life, but we know there are other areas yet to be filled. God's desire, as much as the process can sometimes be difficult, is that He might be able to infiltrate every single pore of our skin, every single part of our body, the outside, the inside, so that when someone meets with us, what they see, receive and experience is Christ. Becoming one with Him is God's ultimate desire for you. It's His ultimate desire for me. And, and all it requires is for us to get to the place where we understand the infinite value of Christ, where we where we realise He is really more important than anything else. We need to get to a place where we're willing to let go of the things that are second best, the things that are not as they ought to be, the things that are somehow stopping us from becoming who God has called us to be. We've got to get to a point where at times we're ruthless about those things so that that Christ can come and fill us as He needs to fill us. I remember time after time, and I've got a lot of fillings, I remember time after time lying in the chair going through the pain of getting a filling and knowing that the pain of getting the filling was far better than the pain of continuing without the filling. There's nothing worse than the pain of sin in your life and sometimes you continue with that pain without even realising how it's impacting you. Tonight, I wanna challenge you to consider becoming one with Christ again. Now, I know in theory, we're all one with Christ as a result of a single decision, but there's also a process that we're a part of too. And that process is a learning experience. It's a, it's a matter of our the decay in our life being cut off or removed, Christ coming and filling us again. My challenge to you today is what are you gonna do? I mean, it's easy to keep going. It's easy to keep going on and valuing things that are causing us pain. But there's got to come a moment in time where you're willing to stand up and to give up the thing that has caused you the greatest pain so that the the one of infinite value can fill you, restore the damage of the decay and bring you back to a place of wholeness and oneness.